Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Katherine Rickmeyer, the host of Weld Recruiting's Women in Web3 podcast. Today, I'm joined by Paul Bradley, the COO and co-founder of GitHedge, a crypto payment processing platform that automatically converts pay into Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum, three of the most popular blue chip cryptocurrencies. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me today. Um, Paul and I go way back. Uh, Paul, you and I did an article actually on um, two of you guys' most famed users using GitHedge's platform, CJ Sapong, who's a striker for Nashville SC, um, as well as former Titans tight end Tommy Hudson. Um, we did that a while ago. But Paul, explain to those out there, what is GitHedge and what does it mean to convert your pay into crypto? Those are great questions. Uh, Fiat dollars that we live in today, U.S. dollars, uh, have their own unique place that we're at the world reserve in dollars. But as you've seen in the last few weeks, sometimes the dollar, it's, it's not as stable and not as strong, especially overseas. So there are ways to hedge your way against the U.S. dollar, and that is to receive a portion of your pay in cryptocurrency. The... Uh, the blue chips, as you say, the digital commodities, as they're beginning to be known. And you dollar cost average into a position. It goes directly from your paycheck into your wallet, your crypto wallet, where you're in control and you self-custody. So the, the benefits of what they say blockchain are, self-custody, being your own bank and not having intermediaries, uh, this allows you to begin having a uh, a position in cryptocurrency. And one of the questions I think people will have out there is, well, am I going to have to go to my HR person and say, hey, I want to get paid in crypto? And, you know, especially at corporate companies, they'll freak out and be like, what are you doing? No, like we can't have that. With GetHedge, they don't have to go to an HR person. Explain how that process works. Well, that's right. And that's uh, uh, one of the strengths we we we're all on our own journey so we don't want to wait if i'm an employee at walmart or target or starbucks i'm at the mercy to either facilitate these transactions on my own out of my own bank account where there's a lot of fraud and a lot of loose ends not to mention you do not get to uh, self-custody your own crypto if you're buying it and using an exchange so what we decided to do was to if you sign up for a free GetHedge account, you are then issued a US bank account in your name. So let me repeat that. You get a bank account in your name, not the GetHedge company's name, not Amazon or somebody else. That account's in your name. That would be in Catherine Rickmeyer's name. And yes. that is a real US bank account, just like Wells Fargo, just like it works the same way as a legitimate Web2 world bank it, account. It is a U.S. bank account, so it is just as legitimate as Wells Fargo, yes. So what <laughs> happens when that pay goes into that, goes into that bank account? Then what happens? Well, for starters, you don't want to put all of your paycheck into crypto because we operate in a dollar society. You're going to still need to pay your rent and your car note and your gas bill. Uh, all those are conducted in, in dollars. So first you need a strategy. And my strategy, so I can share it with you, I take about 8 to 10% of my gross pay, or excuse me, my net pay, that is issued in a direct deposit to my account. 
I then take my bank account from GetHedge, give it to my HR person, or a lot of times I just do it, you can do it yourself on an HR app or a uh, payroll app, and put that bank account number in there, routing an account number, and then you're able to designate a portion of your pay, and that immediately gets split from your payroll into this account, turned into the cryptos of your choice through a platform that's really, you know, 10% into Litecoin, 30% into Ethereum, and then 60% into Bitcoin. I think that's 100% off the top of my head. So essentially, you're able to stack. It's automated. It's automatic. And it's a great tool for a lot of people, including myself. When I go to purchase crypto, uh, this is doing it for me. And it usually coincides with the lowest point of the price in a month. So that's coincidental. So around the end of the month, prices are usually lower than the 30-day average. So you get in at a good price point, and then it just accumulates. And one of my favorite things to do, my friends or family or customers will send me a picture of their, their totals with an OMG exclamation point or some sort of a, holy cow, like this is working. I hadn't checked it in a month or two, and I go back in, and I'm blown away. So you, everyone knows to buy low and sell high. But where's the low? Where's the high? And so now is the time to create a crypto position. And, and you guys are bringing that dollar cost averaging. I think that's a really important point is just like with investments. People have you know their 401k and all of these things auto-drafted um, because they're consistently investing the same amount. It's too much work to think about each month okay, I want to do that. I want to invest this much or I'm going to do this. This makes it a seamless experience um, that allows you to stay consistent with your goals um, in order to achieve them. That is true. Money, at least for me, and I would argue a lot of people, it's emotional. And you can have the best plan in your head, but when it comes to execute, there's always a reason or there's a bump or a hiccup an emotional piece where you, you doubt your plan, you doubt yourself. And we were able to demonstrate in the last 2017 to 21 low to high cycle, 2018 to 2021 low to high, that dollar cost averaging and setting five to 10% of your paycheck aside each pay period yields tremendous results. So I'm, I use my own system and my family, uh, my family relies on me using my own system. So it is in a place where there's lower yields and interest rates are going up and uh, you have war, you have commodity prices, you have inflation. One day is so high you can't stand it. One day it's all under, it's, it's very volatile right now. So to create a position in a parallel financial ecosystem that is proven legitimate, the world is using it, is never a bad idea. And, and if you take that back, if you had tried this in the earliest, most volatile days of buying Bitcoin at $100, $1,000 a Bitcoin, this still system seems to work over time. So you want to have a position and you want to ease into that position over time. Now, who are the primary users of GitHedge, what demographic are you seeing adopt your technology? So that's a great question. That's a great question. We are seeing on our side a lot more people who 
are later in their stages. So uh, firefighters, policemen, 40s and 50s age, these are everyday people. So that's the consumer side are just a handful of everyone, a hodgepodge of everyone. So the demographics are Americans because that's where we're spread out, but it's pretty evenly paced. Uh, we're seeing a huge uptick right now in our B2B business uh, because we do have the on-ramps and banking connectivity and relationships that are getting squelched out there in the market. So our B2B pieces, our bulletproof processes get paid in unique cryptos that we white label. It's exploding. So we're seeing a lot of B2B, a lot of wallets, a lot of unique assets that have just been cut off by traditional markets. When you say B2B, is this a you know cryptocurrency adopting your uh, white labeling Git Hedges technology to get people paid out? Or is this like an HR um, company or private business adopting it? Explain that. Good question. The, the needs that we meet are not necessarily on the HR side. So we, we paired ourselves with the individual. So that side looks solid right now. Where the B2B comes into play are wallets, they are exchanges, they are looking for on-ramps for their customer base to use our tools to buy products and assets from their exchange. So wallets, uh, B2B exchange, or, or just exchanges that service consumers, but they provide our engine to their consumers, which we like it's a one-to-many adoption. So we connect to one entity and they bring in their 100,000 users. So, For example, like if Catherine started a cryptocurrency and Catherine Coin, um, I would then, of course, want to make it easy for users to purchase um, my currency. So I could say on you know, Catherine Coin's you know, website, hey, you should dollar cost average um, you know, invest your paycheck into Catherine Coin and push people that way? You could do that, but our competition with Cat, if you came out with Catherine Coin, you would need to figure out how to get your asset available to the people that wanted it. So people could buy Bitcoin or Ethereum and trade directly into Catherine Coin through a decentralized exchange. So that you could, you could manage that piece today on your own. But where you're going to find an issue is getting U.S. dollar into Catherine Coin. And you'll, you'll figure out a lot of people will sell you credit card services, but the fee for credit card services for Catherine Coin, 15 20% perhaps. It's, it's a huge amount of money. There's huge risk. There's fraud there. So you could have your Catherine Coin available to sell for Ethereum. You could have it to sell for credit cards because there are markets there, but I'm traditional banking type market. Our plan is to really eliminate as much fraud as possible, not open up every transaction to everyone. So we've designated that the, the flows coming from payroll are, it's an ACH credit, so it is a very pure type of money, not a lot of fraud. And you would be able to have a portion of my paycheck come into Catherine Coin at a very, very low price and very, very low fraud. So it's a natural, organic way to grow and help people and not 
not do the traditional rug pull of pumping it, then dumping it. This is a get rich slow process. What are the fees associated with Git Hedge? If I'm a user using Git Hedge, how much am I paying um, to use Git Hedge? So if it's just a reg regular digital commodity like Bitcoin or Litecoin or Ethereum, it's one and a half percent of, you put in a hundred bucks, uh, we will have a dollar fifty in fees. But here's the unique part. A lot of times the market will move one to two to three percent a day, up or down. So even if there were no fees, by the time you got into that asset, your your dollar amount has already changed. So we have found that when you average out 12 months, the fees are completely washed with the gains. So there's 1.5% fee, no hidden fees, no additional fees, no spread. We're just trying to be as transparent as possible. But there's enough volatility where those get washed in the right markets. Gotcha. That makes, that makes, a, lot of, makes a lot of sense. Um, my next question for you is, what is the most popular currency that you guys are seeing people convert their pay into? So there are two completely different camps. We have Bitcoin, which is the universal, hey, I, I need a hedge. I need a hedge out of the US dollar, out of the traditional banking system. So Bitcoin, always popular. And then there's Ethereum, because you can do so much with Ethereum. Uh, smart contracts, DAOs, NFTs, decentralized finance, you, you name it. It is the threshold of the most exciting technology out there. So we see a lot of Bitcoin, a lot of Ethereum, and then we're one of the only platforms that has the Litecoin, which Litecoin may seem irrelevant because it's not as sexy as Bitcoin or Ethereum, but the fundamental ways of how it was built from a financial aspect will make it relevant. And it'll make it relevant when these commodities, they're about to label them securities and digital commodities and get in there with Gary Gensler with the SEC. So. We include the commodities, which we feel are Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Gotcha. Now, Paul, what is your crypto of choice? Wow. You know, I have two cryptos of choice. I would say I'm a, I'm a Bitcoin guy. I love Bitcoin. It does what I want it to do. It's engineered money. It's a four-year pattern. I use it for a lot of ways in my life. Bitcoin, you cannot go wrong. But the smart contracts of Ethereum and the L1s and L2 from Aptos to SUI to all of the new languages moving in, there's a lot of opportunity out there. And so for the Web3, I would say I'm a, I'm a fan of Aptos and AVAX. And for just traditional sound money, I'm a fan of Bitcoin. Now, how did the collapse of FTX affect or not affect your user base? Well, it affected pricing, it affected trust, it affected what people thought they understood about blockchain. So they, people were in Bitcoin and asset, digital assets, yet they lost them and they didn't quite understand what self-custody was. So it impacted the market substantially and it impacted prices and volume in everyone's exchange. Did you all see your users invest less money, less of their paychecks in crypto after that? So no, we saw once you get into a Git Hedge 
process or flow. It's very consistent and very stable. It's a strategy. You don't yank it. You don't pull it. You don't time it. You just let it play out. What we did notice was not as many new signups and organic leads. Everyone just put the brakes on, but our customers and our volume, our volume grew and our customer base continued to grow, but not as fast as it had. Now, do you think the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank in a way potentially helped negate some of those fears or at least say, hey, it doesn't just happen in you know, Web3. It happens in our current fiat economy um, too. There's bad actors in both. Um, do you think that that was a positive for the crypto world and helped take some of the heat off of the FTX fallout or was it non-consequential? Anytime you have a bank fail, it's a negative, it's a negative event. So there is no crypto wins when the banks fail. That is, people just don't understand that. You, you don't want the banks to fail, number one. Number two, we are seeing, and I, I, I will say this from a very high level, I don't work for the government, but the facts are very obvious, that there seems to be a liquidity drain from our banking system into crypto. And the government does not like that, does not want to go into debt because they're printing money to sustain a crypto ecosystem. So we have seen very clearly the, the squelch and the, the choke point of trying to peel back crypto from US banking. That has been negative, that, that will be negative, and that sends people racing for stable solutions. And some of that's offshore, some of that is you know, de-risking and getting out of the business, but I don't see where it has been positive in any way except this is a, a very firm reminder of the necessity of having an access point out of the dollar and to be able to, to grow these pieces. We do believe there is going to be volatility. Things may have to break until there's an equilibrium. So from that standpoint, things are breaking. We're going to need to find a solution. So and that's a positive, but it hasn't been positive going through it. There's so many legitimate operating accounts that are in limbo now. People can't even write checks, especially if you're in crypto. The U.S. economy and banks have absorbed a lot of the tech, but not the crypto. So there's a fine line there that we're still fighting it. And when we think about this crypto winter, which we've been talking about, you know, beginning in last year is kind of when that conversation started. How long do you think this winter will last? Well, it's an opinion, of course, but it, it's less and less an opinion as you start to look at historical facts. So past, what is it? Past performance does not guarantee future events. But, but Bitcoin seems to be a four-year cycle. You can go back at the beginning of its inception. It's a four-year cycle. There's a halving event, which if you don't know what the halving event is, go research it. It's crucial to why and how Bitcoin works and how you can predict it. But it historically looks as if the highs are every four years, so 2017, 21. 25 is what I think will be the next high year. It's the next business cycle. So 2025, and then you'll have the halving sometime in 2024. 
Typically, you have a run-up in, say, 23, which we're seeing now. It'll fall back down and then just make a loop up to the top in a run in 2025. That's why it's so important to dollar cost average and be prepared. And what most people do who don't have experience is they, they don't really quite believe it's going to happen. They wait and see, and then they see it get really excited and put so much money toward the top. And, and they, lose, they lose a lot of their self-respect because they knew better. So <laughs> they knew better. Uh, and it, it's a sad cycle because then you're locked in it and you have to wait four more years for it to be again. So create your exposure now and then celebrate in 2025. And I think one of the cool things is we're adopting similar investment strategies in Web3 the same way that we have for years. It's like, hey, when you know a stock goes high, like and you're getting excited about it, you don't just throw all your money then. Like you can't be just like you can't be a fair weather fan, you you know, have that consistency. It's not all at once. It's you know the tortoise and the hare. It's so true. And and you want to think business principles get blown out the window because there's new technology, but that's not the case at all. You still have to have proper cash flow management. You have to take proper risk management. You have to do everything the way you know how to do. Nothing's changing. It's just a different medium. Um, and I know that you guys are in a crowdfunding round right now um, for Get Hedge. How much money are you guys trying to raise? You know, we'd like to hit a million dollars. So we did a probably over 100000 in the crowdfunding raise. And then we have VC lined up. VC from the B2B side is really where our squeeze is. And we are, I call us a musician's musician of crypto because we, we are kind of a technical, like, I have to get a bank account, I have to do that. Why can't I just press a button? So it, it is a little bit more of a complicated solution. Uh, so from that standpoint, businesses tend to get it and then they, they, we do education behind it. So. A million dollars would set us straight and be able to build the, the tail end of where a lot of companies were not able to build into this debit card space. That's where we feel the biggest needs are. So we continue to build the DeFi, Web3 out, and then really have a pay card or a debit card that is bulletproof that just does not nickel and dime everyone. And that debit card would be a on and off ramp capabilities for individuals to really utilize their assets so if i go into target it doesn't matter if target you know accepts pay in crypto or not what you guys want to build is a vehicle that you could swipe that card anywhere regardless of and use the assets you own that's right and it protects you the user because if i buy if i go to target and give them bitcoin for soap there is no recourse. Uh, if somebody steals it, I mean, it's, it's a one-way transaction. It's digital cash. So if I'm able to apply it to a debit card, I get two things. One, I get rewards. And then two, I get customer protection. So we feel that's, and it, it, it's not adding any more cost to the end user. There's actually more value for the end user. And what type of rewards would people earn? So we have an asset where, and there are lots of assets out there, but essentially anytime you make a transaction with a piece of plastic, a, a credit application, the merchant pays a fee. Part of that fee is then rebated back to the end user and they can choose whatever credit, whatever 
uh, crypto asset they would like that purchased in their name and sent to their wallet. So it's Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and it's based on using the card. So similar to, you know, Chase gives me, you know, 3% back on dining or gives me an incentive if, you know, 10% back this month, there might be a special, you know, partnership between um, them and Target saying, hey, we're going to give users 10% back. So that same type of process only in crypto. That's right. Instead of getting your airline miles, which the airline ultimately controls, they give up just basis points back or whole percentages back and you're able to buy digital assets and then keep them, you're in control. They never expire, they grow in value, and then you can buy 10 airplane tickets instead of just one. That's awesome. Well, you guys heard it here first. And Paul, we will be sure to include that link to your GoFundMe page um, when we put out this podcast um, so people can learn more about Get Hedge and even invest in it. Paul, thank you so much for joining us again today. For those of you out there, again, this is Paul Bradley, co-founder and COO of Get Hedge. They are based right here in Nashville. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.